You're listening to The Calling. As a reminder, you can listen to every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pods, and others. Simply search The Calling. If you're having trouble locating us, you can send an email to the underscore calling at hotmail.com and we can send a link directly to you. Last week, we continued our our walk through James and discussed oath-taking and what that means for us as Christians. As we continue through James this week, we're going to review the effects of praying for each other. And God willing, we'll continue to grow in Christ together. You'll notice when we review this passage of Scripture, we're going to skip over verse 16. And Lord willing, we'll talk more about confessing to one another in greater detail next week. One thing I noticed about people is that as soon as they learn that I am a Christian, they encounter a trial, what do they do? They ask me to pray for them. I've received prayer requests for children, family members, job status, all kinds of requests to address a multitude of human strife. For me personally, I think it's really cool to see how God uses those prayer requests to connect us by forming relationships and demonstrating His amazing work. Just recently, we had a friend involved in a car accident, and the accident was pretty severe. One person was ejected through the windshield of the vehicle, and another was left with a fractured skull. And as soon as I became alerted, I sent out a prayer request to multiple people. What about you? It is my hope that we can agree the need to pray for each other. I mean, after all, this is one of, if not the easiest, expectation of being a Christian. So do you take time out of your day to pray for those who have given you a request? I'll tell you what, go ahead and just take a brief second here and conduct an honest assessment of the last time you prayed for someone at their request. Now that you've done that, with that fresh in our minds, let us go ahead and open up our hearts and refocus to God's word as we turn to James chapter 5, beginning in verse 13 that states, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And in verse 17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Amen. Amen. As you notice, as we travel through James, he has a tendency to relate each of his messages to an Old Testament reference to help provide a visual cue to everything he's trying to communicate. In verse 13, he sends a reminder that what we're supposed to do when we experience trouble or even blessing, that's pray. Praying in the good times, praying in the bad times. Then James identifies being sick. And I know living in a world plagued with COVID-19, it's easy to read this and think of being physically ill. But we can become emotionally and spiritually sick as well, can't we? And at times, these alternative sicknesses are just as, if not more important, to seek prayer when we start to experience. James then goes into further instruction and directs us to seek out the support of our church elders. Now, when I read through this and started to study this week, it begged the question, what is or who is a church elder? In Acts chapter 14, starting in 23, communicates that church elders were appointed at every church with prayer and fasting 
as they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord and whom they had put their trust in. It's important to note that it's no coincidence that the appointment of church elders came on the heels of being reminded of the life hardships we all experience. In verse 22, it stated, They were strengthened, the believers. They encouraged them to continue in faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. I want to draw an important highlight here. We must suffer many hardships. Not that we might suffer, not that there's a possibility, but that we might suffer many hardships. Validating the need for prayer. So who is this church elder? Titus gives us a very straightforward in verse or I'm sorry, in chapter 1 verse 6 it states if anyone is above reproach the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. In summary, the church elder is someone who shares the responsibilities of managing the local church with leading the flock and possessing these qualities. As I read through them, I can assure you that I don't view myself as an elder. I'm nowhere close to being above rebuke, and I also want to point out that I have a tendency to become quick-tempered, even considered a drunkard at times, especially when the Florida Gators lose. I also want to point out that although we have these denominations in our churches today and they all have their own individualized process for how elders are selected, the most important concept to take away was their ability to hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and able to rebuke those who contradict it. And it's this specific quality that makes the prayer of an elder a prayer of faith as described in James chapter 5. To add further comparison in 1 Timothy in chapter 3, it states, This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home and must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well and having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? These are not to be used as an inclusive job description and more of a character inventory, prerequisites for the job itself, so to speak. I want to point out something that I found interesting this week as I studied the scripture. The various translations used to define a church elder or a church leader were bishop, pastor, minister, overseer, elder. And although many different names, they all were the same. Not some hierarchy of power or super faith. And don't get me wrong, I'm in no way diminishing the value of the work put in to obtain these denominational roles. Just reminding you and I that as the Christian commoners, we're still expected to live with these same characteristics. Something else I thought interesting this week, and I asked myself, does someone need to be a member of a church to be considered an elder? 
And this is a deeper conversation that we can address later, hopefully. I just want to plant that seed as you reflect on the people in your life you would consider an elder. All right. So we've identified the characteristics of an elder, who we should seek out the prayer with, but how does it apply to you? Especially if you don't view yourself as an elder. As we continue to grow in Christ, it's important to understand that when you receive a prayer request, whether you view yourself capable or not, someone thinks highly of you. They think you, with all your personal faults, as someone with righteous qualities and a direct connection with God. This is a responsibility that you and I need to take very seriously. I say that to ask this. When you receive that prayer request and conversation, do you stop what you're doing and pray? Or you put it on the shelf to prayer later, add it to a list for your scheduled prayer time? Do you ever actually pray for that person or is it just an empty reply? Because you don't view yourself worthy enough to pray for that specific request. Maybe you're on the fence about the power of prayer. Maybe you're slighted. Maybe you just, regardless of your reasons, it's vital for our own spiritual well-being that we pray for these requests at the time we're given. That night, our family friend was involved in that horrific car accident. I sent out a prayer request immediately. And the recipients of this prayer request were people I would consider to be elders, regardless of where they are in their own personal church. I envision them as prayer warriors. I don't know how many of them at that particular moment stopped what they were doing and prayed, but I can tell you with confidence that at least someone did. Because moments after I realized, after I sent this out, I was given more information about this accident. And the gentleman who was ejected from the windshield of the vehicle didn't sustain any injury except some minor cuts. The gentleman with the fractured skull is making a full recovery. Now, I say that he is going to have some permanent hearing damage, but in the grand scope of things and the the severity of the accident, he's walking away with that. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the cool part about this entire thing. One of the people I had sent this request to was a gentleman that that him and I have have met six or eight months ago, right before COVID. I've kind of developed a, uh, a relationship through Christ. And I had sent him this request. And it turns out that he also knew the young man I was asking for, although we didn't know there was any common person in between us. He shared that he was upset with himself because he had encountered that young man prior to the accident and felt the need to pray for him and just didn't. And he thought that he had missed God's sign to stop what he was doing and pray. But as I reflected on this, because sometimes we we get tendency to, you know, reflect and beat ourselves up on missed opportunities. God knew that accident was coming. And he was preparing that man to pray. And he was going to give him that sign, that feeling that he had, like, hey, I should pray for him. That wasn't the moment he needed prayer. And he didn't miss that opportunity when it came knocking. It was clear as day. You need to stop what you're doing and pray. This is the time for you to pray. Isn't that awesome? It gives me chills. That's, I think that's awesome. Now, I want to offer a disclaimer because it's important anytime we talk about the power of prayer. Praying does not guarantee that God is going to grant the request. This isn't a magic genie, right, granting wishes. And seeking the prayer of a faith warrior only helps us communicate 
to God our requests with a very important understanding. And this cannot be understated or overstated, however you want to look at it. God's will be done. God's will be done. And sometimes God's will causes us hurt. We will experience many sufferings, many hardships. And sometimes God's will won't grant that that request that we're praying for. To heal the sick, to heal this person, to intervene here. And that can cause us to become hardened in our hearts. It can build up walls to God because we become angry. And it prevents us from seeing the bigger picture of God's perfect plan. I just wanted to throw that out there because it's important to discuss the power of prayer without drawing reference to this very important concept of God's will be done. Now, I'd like to say that I treat every prayer request the same and I stop what I'm doing and pray at that particular time. But the truth is, the business of life often interferes with my ability to do that. I try to recall every request, but the, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of the empty prayer statements. So much so that I've made it my own specific spiritual goal to pray at that very moment I receive the request. And if that request requires and occurs me to pray with that person on the sidewalk, in the church, in the local store, over the phone, wherever I am, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going for. In fact, I, I, don't, I don't know the last time I did pray on this podcast, but I'm going to go ahead and just take a moment now and I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I just want to start with giving thanks to you. Your own presence in my life has, has led me to places and, and taught me things that I didn't even realize were, were possible. And as I stop right now to just give thanks to you, Lord, I pray, and as my continued prayer, that you bless those who are listening and prepare them for whatever that you have for them, giving them guidance, giving them peace, giving them rest. I pray, Lord, for whoever's listening to this at this time, that you continue to just give them that presence and reassurance that you are with them. Giving us the confidence that our prayers are heard, that you do listen. And welcome us to that relationship. As we approach this holiday season to acknowledge and celebrate the birth of our Savior, Lord, we pray that you just continue to work in those who who are struggling with grief, who are struggling with hardships, financial, COVID, whatever it is. And we pray, Lord, that you just continue to help us grow in understanding that this life may produce many hardships, Father, but you are leading us to the kingdom of God. We surrender to you now, Lord, as faithful servants in Christ, as we now give you our lives in dedication. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we've covered a lot of information this week, but I think it's important for our own faith development to know what the expectation of prayer and confession is as a follower in Christ. This week, I want you to spend some time in prayer. Go ahead and review James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18, and reflect on your prayer in life and identify the people in your life that you turn to for prayer. How often are you praying for someone else? Think about it. Take that time. And God's going to introduce you to people. He's going to introduce you to resources. He's going to, he's going to build those relationships and connections that form the body of Christ. 
I've seen it, and I hope you're seeing it too. God's calling you into prayer. Will you answer?